Hey, uh, I, I'm so uh, honored uh, to, to be here with you guys. If you've got a Bible, I want you to go to Mark chapter 8, verse 22 is where we're going to begin today. I've got a really a great word for you. Man, speaking of great words, wasn't that incredible last week, Pastor Corey? Come on, turn up the volume. Turn up the volume. So powerful, so many people uh, change. You know, I recognize something, um, you know, that, uh, that, that the week before I spoke a message about Jesus opening the eyes of the blind man by spitting making mud, rubbing it in his eyes, and you can go back and certainly uh, listen uh, to, to that message, but I felt as if the Lord was saying, I am doing miraculous works in this season. I'm actually preparing people, and uh, I, I couldn't help but be drawn again this week to another moment where Jesus healed a blind man. So all three weeks, God is speaking to us about healing something. But before we get there, yesterday, early in the morning, um, I was, uh, you know, just asleep. And then I, I suddenly had a dream. And in the dream, I was standing on a coastline, a beach. And I watched as, as these four flags got erected. And these four flags were like hurricane flags. And there I, I, I could see these flags go up. And it was actually quite a, a beautiful day as I was standing there on the beach and watching the flags go up. And then I heard this voice. And as soon as I heard the voice, it woke me up. And the voice of God, I believe it was the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking this message to me to convey to the church, and it is this simple message, the winds of heaven are beginning to blow. The wind of heaven is beginning to blow. And you say, what is that? Well, Acts chapter 2 tells us that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. And I, I, I'm, I just come as one who, who wants to wake you up and perhaps even open your eyes to the reality that our world is more than the news ticker across the bottom of your television. Our world is more than the headlines that make it onto the newspaper. There is something deeper and bigger going on, and I believe that, that no matter what is happening in the Middle East or in this country, politically and publicly, I believe the wind of God is beginning to blow and that God is bringing hope again to the body of Christ. You say, why hope? Because hope is necessary in a time of darkness. You see, the church is called to walk by faith. And by the, by the way, if you don't know what faith is, faith is the substance of things hoped for. 
Without hope, your faith doesn't operate the way. Your confidence in God doesn't operate the way it should. Why? Because if you have despair and you say, I believe in God, but I have despair, here's what you'll have. You will have a reactionary life. Meaning that here comes my circumstance, I only react to a circumstance. I react, I react, react. When you get filled up with the hope of God, which begins to build your faith in God, here's what, you become the response to the darkness. You're not reacting to it, I'm the response. I'm the answer sent by God in this moment to see the ministry of Jesus continue. That my life will be a display of the miracles of God, the blessing of God, the salvation of God. That my life will be those things. And I want to say this to you, no matter what is going on in the Middle East and you know how many prophetic conferences suddenly you can register for only $199. Just give an offering and stay here. I'm going to go into the altar and just repent right now of the way I really feel. Uh, I want you to understand something. The ministry of Jesus will continue in all environments, in all nations, and in all times. You say, how? How? When rockets are flying, when war is raging, here's how. The Spirit of God motivating a redeemed bride. The wind of God carrying the church into her great last hour purpose. Now the Lord showed me a very interesting connection to the healing of a blind man and how, how suddenly there, there needs to come a turning up of the volume in the way we're talking to God. We heard it last week that Bartimaeus, he cried, Son of David, have mercy on me. And, you know, religious people tried to get him to quiet down. <laughs> Come on, you might have experienced that today. You were really going for it. Great are you, Lord. You were singing. There were people next to him. <laughs> Turn up the volume. Turn up the volume. Now, get it on key. Get it on key. Okay, come on. <laughs> You're not supposed to say that out loud. Somebody said preach about getting on key. Okay. <laughs> what I am saying to you is this. You know, he cried out, son of David. He had a revelation. Everybody around him was saying, Jesus of Nazareth is nearby. You know, they didn't say Jesus of Bethlehem. Jesus of Bethlehem would have meant son of David. That's a whole nother sermon. He heard from the religious it was Jesus of Nazareth. But he had a revelation that it was Jesus, son of David. Which, by the way, for all you casual churchgoers here, and all of you who, who have been drugged here by your friends and family... Jesus is better than you've heard. 
He's better than you've heard. He's not just another religious rabbi coming from just another religion. He is the son of David, the one who has come to redeem all mankind, to position you to be, to be uh, launched into the very purpose he has for your life. So let's look at another moment where Jesus comes and heals a blind man and perhaps we'll learn what to cry for ourselves today. Mark 8, 22 says this. It says, and then he came to Bethsaida, fishing village in the Galilee region. And they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, there he goes with the spit again. So I expect everybody, you know, who comes to Calvary on the front row, y'all ought to be getting miracles. <laughs> Anyways, you should see this pulpit, how they have to clean it every week. Anyways, I'm really messed up. I'm really messed up today in the best possible way. I was in Minnesota last week. Last Saturday, I walked outside when it was 18 degrees. Hey, you would too, chasing God's perfect source of protein. Thank you, Ben. And uh, oh, back to this sermon here. Okay. <laughs> And so he took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and he put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and he made, he, he, he made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, Neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Uh, first, I want to start today before I, I get to how each one of us should learn how to call on Jesus. I, I just, I, I, want to, I want you to just call your attention to the ones who set the stage for Jesus to heal this blind, blind man. They set the stage. Here, here, here's, here's who they are in this story. They brought him. And then they begged Jesus. I call these people the bringers and the beggars. The bringers and the beggars. Some of you this morning are the victim of bringers and beggars. You're here today. Because somebody snatched you up and got you to God's house out of their own will. Why? Because they have been begging God that you would come and have an audience with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let me just tell you, if you are thankful that you had a bringer or a beggar in your life, man, give God a shout of praise. I, I got to tell you, I'm thankful for Mark Twilliger. Y'all like, who is that? He'd never even been here. But he was my bringer and beggar. As a 21-year-old man, I was doing everything the culture said I should do. You know, I'm out and I'm partying and I'm, I'm drinking and I'm, I'm giving myself to everything the culture would say would satisfy me, yet it wasn't satisfying me. 
and my phone would ring. By the way, young people, they were still attached to walls. And they had a lot of range if you had a cord. You'd go anywhere in the house with a cord. Then we get, you know, get a little antenna. My phone would ring before you knew who was on the other end of the line. And there he is, Mark, saying, Adi, you going to come to church with me this weekend? I'm like, Mark, how many times do I have to tell you I'm not going? I'm not going, man. I got other things going. I cannot get up on a Sunday morning after being out on Sunday night. He goes, all right, click. A couple days later, pick up the phone, just rings. Hello? Hey, there's some stuff going on in the church. You want to come? I'm like, Mark, you do not get the message. And again and again and again, in that season of running where I knew the truth, I had, some, I had one guy, one guy who would call and call and call and call. And I know in his secret place, he was begging Jesus, do something in that idiot's life. He's going to hurt himself. Do something. And the night the power of God touched me in that restaurant, you know who was sitting beside me? Mark Terwilliger, the bringer and the beggar. I got to tell you, I pray, Calvary, we become a whole bunch of bringers and beggars. I tell you, some of you are like, what, begging Jesus? You don't have to beg Jesus. Listen, once you quoted every scripture, stood on the truth, uh, uh, you know, you fasted, you prayed, and nothing is moving, just try begging. <laughs> just try begging. It worked for them. Now, there was something that had to happen. I believe there was something that started to happen in the blind man's life. And I do want everybody to know this. That every one of us are this blind man at one point. Everyone is spiritual blind until we come and welcome the ministry of Jesus in our lives. Listen, everyone who has not been changed by Jesus, let me be clear is blind it's not that they don't want to see jesus it's that they cannot see jesus second corinthians three sixteen. listen to me it says this nevertheless when one turns to the lord the veil is removed that means that it's not until one turns to jesus that you can truly see who he is, and your very purpose for being on this planet. To love God and to live for him. It is when we turn to Jesus that the veil is taken away. And there is only one way out of your spiritual darkness here today. 
I know you're hoping for a life group or perhaps, a, a, you know, just, man, if I have just the right person to pray for me and, and while God uses people in mighty ways to minister us, there is really only one way out of spiritual darkness and that is for us personally to call on Jesus. Like Bartimaeus did, every single one of us needs to call on Jesus. But what do we say? We can learn how to pray from this passage where Jesus heals this blind man. First thing that we need to pray in our blindness. Jesus, lead me. Oh, wow, that's a different prayer. We're used to the Jesus, forgive me. Oh, I'm sorry, Jesus. But how about this one? Jesus, lead me. Mark 8, 23 says, So Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. The bringers and the beggars had made an audience for the blind. And the blind somehow must have opened his heart to the possibility of Jesus ministering to him. And as he opened his heart, in an unseen, unspoken way, he said, Jesus, lead me. And notice what Jesus does with the blind man. Do not step on the dog. <laughs> he leads him out of town. This blind man there in Bethsaida lived with hands open. The fishing village. He, he, would, he would be there in the village hoping that the Galilee would produce a great catch. Why? Because then the fishermen would have an overflow. It would be in that moment that the fishermen, out of the goodness of their heart and obedience to Torah, that they would see the begging blind man unable to supply for himself. Since a great catch had come in, now this blind man in the town gets a little of the overflow. And he gets just enough. He gets just enough to get by. And this has been the way he lived, with just enough to stay alive. And Jesus says, we've got to leave the familiar. I've got to take you away from the town you think you know. I've got to take you. You're opening your eyes. I need to see. No, not yet you don't. He said, I need to see. And Jesus is leading him. 
He's leading him away from the familiar, away from the bringers and the beggars. Away from the comfort of the spiritual. Away from, wait, I know that 10 steps this way and then five steps this way. This is the best spot to collect. No, now I'm out of town. Give it up for Matthew. <laughs> I, I, I did this scene because I want you to understand if you're here today and you say, I need Jesus in my life, I know for a fact he's going to lead you away from the familiar. He's going to lead you away from what you know. He's going to lead you away from that comfortable cycle you have been in, which has just barely been, it's just barely keeping you alive, if you were to be honest with yourself. You say, why would he do this? It's because the comfort of what you know will keep you from the journey of trust that leads you to a miracle. The comfort of what you know, it will, it will keep you from this journey of faith. You know, Proverbs 26 says something just radical and amazing and totally gross. It says, as a dog returns to its vomit... So a fool to his folly. You ever witnessed that? I'm talking about the dog. We've all witnessed that scene. Where something didn't agree with the dog, but the dog didn't care that it didn't agree because it was hungry and it went back to something it wasn't meant to eat and yet consumed it again. And had it not been for the hand of God leading us out of the familiar, that's exactly what each one of us would have done. God is going to call you out of your cycle. He's going to call you out of your circle. He's going to call you into new places. He is going to give you a fresh, brand new experience. Listen, you don't need Jesus to come into your life and you think, wow, and everything's going to remain the same. It is not. He will, at the, at the prayers of the bringers and the beggars, he is going to take you away from the familiar. Listen. Even the people, even the people, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, you remember what it says, it's the Apostle Paul actually quoting a, 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 a widely known poet of his day. He said, don't be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. 
Some of us are like, man, I want Jesus, but you know, I'm going to keep the same, uh, you know, druggy friends, alcoholic friends. I'm going to keep all of these people who keep in the cycle of abuse and brokenness, and I'm just going to, I'm going to stay running with them, and I'm just going to keep them as an influence in my life. And listen, you are not able to overcome the strength and truth of this scripture. Bad company. It will corrupt good morals. Listen, he's touched you. He's changed you. But you have got to begin to cry. Jesus, lead me. And when he leads you, you're going to have to trust. I remember when I first was really radically devoted to Jesus, it became one of the loneliest six months of my life. Radically saved. God doing wonderful things in my family. And yet, I longed for a friend that had, that, that had the same passion, same fire for Jesus. But instead of waiting, I started reaching. So I started witnessing to my friends and started witnessing to employees. And I'm, I'm literally trying to witness. And one of, my, one of my friends, he says, you know what? You sound just like my friend Rory. I said, what? See, you sound just like my friend Rory. I said, what do you mean by that? Well, we used to go to the club. We would hang out. We would have all this fun. We would party all the time. But then he encountered Jesus. And now he can't talk about nothing but Jesus. And all he wants to do is worship. And all he wants to do is reach. And I said, can, can you set up a lunch? <laughs> We met at that lunch. We didn't even talk to our unsaved friend the whole time. He just sat there. And we're like, yes! That was in 1993. We're still the greatest of friends today. He's doing great ministry, great things in the Tampa area. Writes the most unbelievable Christian plays that are influencing the unsaved world. The founder of the Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay Fine Arts Fest Festival. He's an incredible man of God. And God started something way back there. Listen, I've, I've got to tell you. He will lead you away from the ones that don't need to be a voice in your life. But you need to start, listen to me. You've got to cry this out. Jesus, lead me. God is taking us by the hand because we would never go where he is leading us on our own. Let me give you the second thing to call out. Jesus, touch me. Jesus, touch me. I love this. In verse 23, the last half of it in 24, it says, And when he spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if, if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Listen to this. Jesus spit on his eyes and put his hands on him. And he began to see. Now listen. For those who've been around church for a while, you maybe have heard this story. You're like, yeah, cool, whatever. To the people who have never been to church, and maybe this is your first time ever, and you're hearing now that the Jesus that you have seen on The Chosen is actually a Jesus spitting on people? This is how I know Jesus had to go to Israel and not to the south. 
Because in the South, blind or not, a man spits on another man, we're fighting. We are fighting. It's on, okay? But somehow, Jesus has this method of taking him by the hand, spitting, putting his hands on him, and his eyes get opened. Now listen, it's okay if you think that's a little bizarre. It is. But listen carefully to me. The methods of Jesus' redemptive work are validified by the manifestation of lives that are changed. Here's what I mean. When Jesus, when Jesus employs his method to change lives, it works. Let me say it to you in another way. God wrapped himself in flesh came to this earth, walked the earth 33 years. At the end of those 33 years, he would be tortured and nailed to a cross. He would be laid in an, a, a borrowed tomb, and on the third day, he would walk out of the tomb. To the outsiders, listen to me. That just sounds weird. How does that equal me being forgiven? How does that equal that? That just sounds like a weird story where things went really bad for a pretty good guy. And then it got better. Listen to me. Listen. In the same way that Jesus spit on his eyes and laid hands on him and they opened is the same way that if you'll place faith in what Jesus, is, Jesus did, the methods, that he would die on the cross for our sins, be buried and raised from the dead on the third day, and you believe it, you will experience the manifestation of that ministry, meaning you will be saved and you will be born again. I can testify to you that the gospel works in every nation I have ever preached it in. Ever preached it. When I preach the gospel in the Amazon watershed, guess what? The Amazonians, they got born again. When I preach the gospel in Macedonia, following in the footsteps of Paul, there I will watch people be transformed as they simply embrace the methods of Jesus. I'm telling you, it works in Honduras. It works all over the world. It even works in Canada. I don't know if you know this, but it still works in the United States of America. If anybody places faith in Jesus, you will be born again. You may say death on a cross, burial, resurrection on the third day. Now all I have to do is believe that Jesus is the Savior and trust his death paid for my sins and I'll be saved and I can see. Yes. Yes. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's with the heart that you believe and are justified and it's with the mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Here's what you're doing as you're crying out for Jesus to touch you. 
You're asking for God to apply all that Jesus has paid for. Apply it to my life. If you paid for it, Jesus, I want it. Jesus, touch me. May everything you purchased for me in your death, burial, and resurrection come to bear on my life. It's Jesus, touch me. I love this. The blind man in this story, he could immediately see like he never had before. Ah, his eyes are open. He said, he says, what do you see? I see men like trees walking. I find it very interesting that a blind man would even know what a walking tree looks like. He is seeing things and describing them from the history he had connected to his feelings. Now he can see like never before, and yet his vision is not complete. Light finally pierced the darkness. However, the work wasn't over which leads me to this third prayer and perhaps the summit of what I believe God wants us each one in this place to experience today. And that is, if you want to call on God and experience something supernatural, it is this, Jesus, touch me again. I believe many of you in this place have experienced the saving work of God, which I actually believe is representative in this first touch. I believe that this, this represents something. I love this. When he touches him again, it says, Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town or tell anyone in the town. He put his hands on him again. Why twice? I believe God is showing us the process that every believer can experience. You see, Jesus' first touch is salvation. But the second touch, listen, there is a second touch, and it's spirit baptism. Man, we had a glorious water baptism here just, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago. So many people getting water baptized, lives changed. But listen, the Bible tells us uh, about three primary baptisms. First, there's the baptism of the, the, that the Holy Spirit works. He, the Holy Spirit, baptizes us into the body of Christ when we believe. Then, we do what we did here a couple of weeks ago. Disciples baptize in water other disciples. But then there's another baptism. And this baptism, listen, it's in all four gospels. Let me give you, let me give you just a few of the things that are in all four gospels. The, the birth of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the feeding of the 5,000, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Those, that's the five things that are in all four Gospels. How many of you know when God says something four times, you should really listen? 
I'll just read you one of them for the sake of time. Luke chapter 3 says this. John answered this. John the Baptist. He says, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you. Who is the he? Who is the he? Say it loud. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So listen carefully. The first touch, he saves you. But let me tell you, the most eye-opening encounter I ever had was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was when the glorious Spirit of God started to flow out of me like John 7 said it would. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus spoke this concerning the Holy Spirit, which was not yet given. Why? Because Jesus wasn't yet glorified. And when Jesus gets glorified, what does he do? He takes people who are saved and he gives them a second touch. And if you ever want your eyes open to the possibilities of what your life can be like in Christ, ask him, Jesus, touch me again. I thank you that I'm saved, but touch me again. Take me in your hands and baptize me and immerse me in your presence. Immerse me in the spirit of God. That which I was created to host and house as the very temple of God. You are made for him. But truth be told, many people are just comfortable with salvation. Man, I'm saved. That's good enough, right? I'm just, I'm, I'm on my way to heaven. Well, you see, most believers in Jesus either don't know there's something more or they resist this ministry because it maintains the connection with their former life. You say, what? They're partially blind. You say, wait a minute, saved people are partially blind? According to the scriptures, there is a secondary, a secondary touch from Jesus, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the gateway to the supernatural. There are things that you will never see nor understand unless you allow Jesus to baptize you and immerse you in the Holy Spirit. You say, how do I do that? You ask that's what the scripture says. That's what the scripture says in Luke chapter 11. How much more will God give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? Most of us have lived a, a, a church experience where we never even thought to ask for the person of the Holy Spirit. We never knew we needed him for ministry. We never knew we needed him for the, to offer the kind of help and assistance that we need to obey the biblical mandate. Have you read what we're charged to do? Lay hands on the sick and see them recover. What? Try that in the flesh. Cast out demons. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Don't do that in the flesh. Don't do that. Raise the dead. What? I think we're going to need Jesus to touch us again. I think we're going to need another touch that we have to move beyond saying, listen, I want to be saved, but I want to fit in with culture. Partially blind. You want to fit in with blind folks. I'm going to tell you, 
You're the, you will be the most miserable person on the planet, saved and on your way to heaven and running with people going to hell who don't know Christ, who don't know his love, who don't know his life, who have never been redeemed, you will be the most miserable person on the planet. Here's, let me give you a prayer I believe God wants on the lips of every single person in this place. Whether you are on fire, man, you are a wildfire for Jesus right now, or man, you just feel like, man, I just got a little smoke left. Listen, it's Jesus, touch me again. Jesus, touch me again. Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me where I would never go apart from myself. God, I pray you would do this salvific work in me, but then empower me for the ministry that you have for me. When you really know what's available, listen to me, when you really know what's available because you're saved, you'll say, Jesus, touch me again. Listen, when you don't see fruit in your life, put this prayer on your lips, Jesus, touch me again. When you don't see the gifts of the Spirit flowing, when there's no prophecy, when there's no words of wisdom and knowledge, when there's no gifts of, of faith and miracles, when none of that is operating in you, here's what you pray. Jesus, touch me again. When, when suddenly you, you find yourself, you know, man, you were on fire and you were sharing the gospel, but now you're intimidated and you, now you're feeling the pressure to be quiet and keep it low key. It is in that moment where you need Jesus to touch you again and fill you with the Holy Spirit and fire to carry the world changing message that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Jesus, touch us again. Jesus, touch us. Again, you see the baptism in the Holy Spirit by Jesus is what makes obedience to the biblical mandate possible. And I love what he says last. Do you hear what he said? He said, hey, I'm going to send you someplace. But not where you think. That familiar place, don't go there. Those familiar voices, those people who were influenced, don't go there. Where did he say? He said, go home. Go home. Why? Here's why. Because God, when he puts his hand on your life, it will always start in your Jerusalem. He says, go home and begin to shine. Change the atmosphere of your house. You see now. You're carrying now. I'm sending you into the lives of your family members. And you're going to shine. And you're going to touch them. And you're going to speak to them. I'm not going back to the familiar place. I'm going back to family. And it's going to start in family. But then my family's going to touch another family. And we are going to raise up a whole family of bringers and beggars. Bring and beggars. Why? He said, I've got to send somebody back to a family to raise up a family of people who will do for others what God did for him. And in order to do that, we need the precious Holy Spirit. For the church here today, I've been sent to get one prayer on your mouth. Jesus. Touch me again. Jesus, touch me again. 
If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus. Fill me with this precious Holy Spirit. And then there's others. The nail-pierced hand of a loving Savior is reaching out to you today and saying, take me by the hand.